video, it's also important to hear people's life stories. Hear where they've come, um, where they've come from, what's shaped their life, and where they're heading to, and how they um, have responded, I suppose, or you could say how they've listened to God throughout that life story. So we're going to have um, Jono and Andy come up now, and they're going to share, share with us their life stories. G'day guys, um, I'm Andy, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, I was born to a Christian family and because we're Anglican I was baptised before I could talk so didn't really get much say in that one but I reckon it was a good decision. Um, but I didn't know what it was all about as a little kid and despite all the hard work of the Sunday school teachers and everybody else, I still would have preferred to stay at home and play with the toys and come to church so... You know, it wasn't the most fun in the world for me when I was younger, but as I got older, we uh, swapped churches, and at the age of seven, I think it was, we started going to St. Matthew's, which is a church in Albury, and I don't know, something there just clicked for me, and I felt a lot more at home, a lot more comfortable, and it wasn't long before uh, I started actually enjoying church, and it wasn't such a bad thing for me to go to anymore. Um, September 5th, 2002. Uh, the Keith and the Bishop confirmed me, which in the Anglican denomination is our public declaration of faith, sort of like what this is. But again, I was still a little bit young to fully comprehend what I was doing. I mean, I, underst- I understood that, you know, Jesus died for me, but I didn't get the full gist of what was going on. So I, was, I did it. Um, I was happy with it. I was happy with my life. I was pretty comfortable uh, and going to a Catholic primary school, everybody was, you know, Christian, as they called it. Um, for me, I, did, I thought everyone went to church. It wasn't until I got to high school that I realised that a lot of the people actually didn't go to church. They just considered themselves Christian. They didn't fully understand the whole thing about it. And I sort of started to blend into that group of people. Um, there was a new group of friends, the new emphasis on sport, and my relationship with Christ suffered because of that. I stopped attending church, uh, my behaviour dropped, uh, as well as my language became slightly atrocious. So uh, luckily enough, um, that didn't last very long. And this kid over here told me about the new youth group they had at Wodonga Baps. And I decided to give it a go. And when I first came, I was more than a little intimidated. Because the type of music, the fact that how much people were getting into it, how much faith they had in this law that you know, I was still just getting to meet was just amazing. But it was the small groups that really blew me away, just how open everything was, how deep we got to go into it. And it was there I sort of realised that I should be living for Christ, not just acting like him, that when he died, it was for me, not, you know, he knows me, he knows who I am, he knows what I do. And it was then I started living not to be saved, but because I was saved. And I kept going along and getting further and further my Christ, my, yeah, my, with my faith and just knowing that what Christ had done for me. and just I can't imagine my life without him because, you know, you go through and you see people turning to other things like sex, alcohol, drugs, those problems in life. But I found I can turn to Christ and it's something that never goes away. He's just 
He's always there no matter what goes on, no matter what problems you have, be it from your dog running away from home to um, your girlfriend dumping you to whatever it is, he's just always there even when you feel at the bottom, like you've been kicked in the guts. He's there. He's there to lift you up. I, just, I, don't, know if I don't know what I'd do without him. It is just amazing that love he can give. So after attending the night services here for several months, uh, I still attend my church in Albury as well. Um, I accepted the invitation to go to ESA and it was after that ESA I decided I wanted to be baptised because if anyone that has been to an ESA you will well know and anybody that's in that age group to go, I highly recommend it because it blows you away and the encouragement it gives, it just reaffirms you so much, it lives you us and it takes you out of that comfort zone. It pushes you so you question things, it gives you, you know, courage, purity, strength, integrity, just those things to let you live your life in peace and love to go with the Lord. And it gave me those goals to aim for and a renewed knowledge, faith and commitment in our God. So tonight um, I'm going to be baptised in his name and I hope that I can just live every day in his praise and glory. Thanks Andy. Uh, that's really good to hear you share your story. That's uh, really good to hear you tell, tell us where you've come from and where you're heading to. So, um, yeah, tonight, uh, later on tonight, we'll see you get baptised. Um, and Jono, you've got your story to share with us tonight as well to uh, let us know where you've come from and where you're heading as well. So, thanks. G'day. Um, I'm Jonathan Newman. My mum doesn't even really call me Jonathan anymore, so you might know me as Jono Newman, that lanky kid. Bean Paul. Um, so, I'm 16 years old and I go to Catholic College. I'm in year 10. And yeah, I'm really enjoying life at the moment. So, I grew up in a Christian family here in Wodonga, except for a couple of years in the UK. Um, even though I came to church, I really didn't take much notice of what was happening up the front. I sort of, yeah, I, I believed in God and I knew that Jesus died on the cross, but that's all it meant to me then. I lived my life for myself. Um, I've lived through a couple of tough times in my life. None of the worst really happened to me, but I was there. Um, at the age of seven, I was diagnosed with type one or juvenile diabetes. And um, it didn't take long for me to discover a, a wide range of junk food, which is bad for anyone, but terrible for a diabetic. So um, I tried some of the stuff and I really liked it, so I kept doing it. And unfortunately, I landed myself in hospital a few times. and. Um, yeah, it wasn't really easy for me to accept that for the rest of my life I wouldn't have a day of perfect health and that I'd have to stick holes in my fingers and do injections for the rest of my life. So, yeah, it's not really that easy. Um, moving on. When I was 14, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, luckily, she beat it, but unfortunately, a year later, it came back. Um, it was one of the rare occasions in my life where I prayed. I prayed that God would help my mum beat her cancer again so she could be with me for a lot longer. Um, she beat it. Um, unfortunately, my prayers stopped and I did my own thing again. Um, for a while that went on, I did some stupid things, which I probably really shouldn't have. I landed myself in hospital a few more times, and, um, but I still thought my life was great. So, um, a few years ago, my sister, who was nearly two years older than me, was diagnosed with a very serious health issue. Um, during huge fights, I sort of sat in the corner and tried to ignore things, or while my family went to Melbourne once a week. 
and I was left at home, I started to realise that my life wasn't as good as I thought it was. I felt like my family was falling apart. Um, I survived and my family survived, so I sort of ignored the feelings that my life wasn't so great. Um, I did my own thing again. So. During this year, we're doing some Bible studies with all my mates and some great leaders here. Um, I really got into it and started to realise that aspects of my life really weren't great and they needed to change. So the studies really started to change my life, but I still didn't have the whole picture. I was really looking forward to getting my licence in March, but I kind of got slapped in the face when my doctor refused to sign the papers I needed because of my diabetes. Um, I was kind of cut, because what teenage boy doesn't want to be in control of a hunk of metal on four wheels legally capable of going 110 k's an hour? <laughs> um, if I thought that slap in the face hurt, it was nothing to the one I got not too long ago. I went to the same ESA that Andy went to, and um, all us guys ran off into the bush for four hours and did manly stuff. Um, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is combined with some rather deep talks um, about being a man in the kingdom of God. Talks involve things like purity, prayer, integrity, strength in weakness, peace, and love. And the lesser talked about topic, unity, which seemed to get forgotten when 36 guys all huddled together and screamed at the top of our lungs, all those things. Um, it was during the talks, however, that I really realised my life wasn't complete. Even though I considered myself a Christian, I was living for myself and I wasn't really happy. The build-up from the Bible studies was starting to peak. I knew things really needed to change and they were going to. As I heard more during the talks from the speaker at ASA, from the guy called Stu Balls, um, and talks with leaders and mates, I heard things that I'd heard before, except they stuck and meant something this time. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for everyone, which meant me. And he loved me so much that he took my sins to the grave so that even though I'm convicted, I'm not condemned. And um, that blew my mind. Um, yeah, God was so happy that I came back to him that he was willing to forgive all the things I've done in my life, which not only affected and probably hurt me, but affected other people. And so I'm, so, I'm making changes in my life, and this is a step in that. I'm publicly declaring that I'm living for something greater than myself, and that's God. guys, isn't it interesting to hear other people's stories and get an insight into their life and learn where they've come from and understand what it is that drives them and how they approach God. So uh, later on Ash is going to also share his story. Um, you may want to ask these guys some more questions after tonight um, over lasagna or uh, if you see them at school or wherever. Um, you may want to ask them some more questions about what's brought them to the point of wanting to place their trust in God and give their life to God. Um, thanks guys for sharing, it's really encouraging. Just now we're going to sing some more songs, we're going to sing some more praise to God, so the guys from the band and the music are going to come back up, and then after that we're going to hear some more things from a few other people. Keep tuned. 
we are going to sing a song that um, is Jono was sharing there about how he thought he had his life all together. Um, it reminded me of the story that is actually in the Bible about a man called Job who had, was um, followed God, but things fell apart in his life and he got angry at God because he didn't understand why. And he asked God continually and he blamed God for all different things, but he never lost his faith in God. But God gently reminded him about who he was. And he was the one who created the heavens and the earth. He'd placed the stars in the sky and he knew them by name. And he just quietly reminded Job that he was God and he was in control. And the song we're going to sing actually talks about um, the indescribable God, the God that is bigger than our minds can understand or fathom, but a God who loves each one of us individually and knows each one of us by name. So why don't we stand together and sing Indescribable. All right. Fine, snob me then. Good evening. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So much friendlier. Um, if you uh, haven't met me, met me before, my name's Phil, I'm the uh, Youth and Young Adults Pastor here at Wodonga Baps, and uh, yeah, definitely a warm welcome to you if you haven't been here to church before. Um, I'm going to share a few words, so uh, try and be with me, or you know, I don't know, if you fall asleep at this time and you need a bit of a nana nap, then yeah, do that too, I don't want to hold you back. Um, but I want to begin this talk by asking you a question, and the question is, have you ever found yourself somewhere... Um, caught up in your surroundings and your mind has um, been taken to thinking about the existence of God. Um, When I was in my early 20s, I used to spend a lot of time hanging out with a mate called Hilka and we would regularly find ourselves up on a a local hill and there looking up at the stars. No streetlights around, just the brightness of a country sky. It was a scene for heaps of conversations about life. And regularly, the conversations would kind of move to the existence of God. And it was interesting because rarely were we discussed, discussing, um, does God exist? We actually kind of just thought it seemed obvious by our surroundings. It was like the beauty of nature touched something like deep within us and that led us then to talk about things of God, like it kind of reminded us about God. I mean, I'd grown up in a Christian family, so that might be why I go there in a sort of thinking pattern. But my mate Hilker, he hasn't come from that sort of background. But the beauty of the environment would sort of lead our conversations there. I wonder, has that ever happened to you? Do you believe there's something out there, a supreme being of some sort? Let me boldly say that I reckon we are all believers. The majority of people, it would seem, actually believe that there's some kind of being or power, some presence, just something out there, something beyond us. There's a passage in the Bible. Excuse me. There's a passage in the Bible from Romans and it talks about this kind of thing. And it's written by a guy called Paul. Um, to a church, writing a letter to, the, to a church in Rome about 20 years after Jesus. And this is what he writes to them. He says, What may be known about God is plain to them because 
God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Put simply, people see the world around them. They see the natural order, the beauty by day or the stars by night, and deep down we know that something exists. We look at the world, the universe we live in, and we know deep down that we're not here by chance. A freakish event. Uh, My great-great-great-great-great-grandfather is not bacteria. You might look at me and go, I doubt that, Phil. (laughs) We're not here by ourselves. There is a God who is above. Call it what you will. And it's ultimately somehow governing uh, and sustaining the universe, this planet. I, when I first saw the, um, the, the, sort of the, the footage by our crack film team, and thanks to Joel, uh, Josh, Kyle and Doug for that, um, I was amazed at the responses that you walk up to people at a st- in a street and you ask them those questions. Are you amazed that it, it seems like the majority of those people we heard before they actually believe there's something out there. And there's a guy saying like, no, no, I'm a science, I'm evolution. And then it's like, do you think you can relate to that? And he goes like, yeah, I like that possibility. It's kind of like, so he believed in this science, no God thing. And then he went from this, oh, yeah, but I think it'd be nice to be able to relate to that God. Anyway, I love it. I looked at it and I just think, it's, it's a, it doesn't surprise me though, because the verse kind of says it should be like that. Last year, a few of us were walking, walking around QE2 in Aubrey. And um, we were asking other people the same question. And uh, the question was, me and this uh, friend called Will, is Will here tonight? I'm not sure. Could be, yep, Will. Um, and we asked him the question, do you believe there's something out there? Some power or being or presence or whatever? And um, this, we got the same response. It was yes. We went to a group of emo slash kind of goth guys, about eight of them. And um, they all said yes to believing in a higher power. And I'm sure the same goes for all of us here tonight. You don't have to be a Christian to actually believe uh, in God. You don't have to align yourself with a specific religion to actually believe in God. The vast majority of people just believe there is a supreme being out there because the natural order that God has made kind of makes it plain to people. We're all believers in the presence of God. Of God. Well, we're all believers, right? But I think that we also all miss this vital next step. Have a look at this passage from Romans, the same part of this um, letter. Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped, and hear this, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. The step that people fail to take is to moving from the presence, uh, from moving from believing that there's something out there, to then glorifying God and giving thanks to God. Now, we often use the word glory to explain different things, so... My favourite part of the Olympic Games was when the, our 4x200 women's relay team in a pool, they won that, and I loved it. 
And that was a moment of glory for that team. Or if um, we refer to the Queen, and you, if you're a good monarchist, that is, if you're an anarchist, something else, you might think of the Queen sitting enthroned in all her glory. When we think of missing the next step of giving God glory, what, what does it mean? It means that we fail to praise and honour God that is rightfully his. We fail to praise and honour God the way he should be rightly praised and honoured. It means we haven't responded rightly. So even though we go, yeah, God, you're out there, we don't, then, we don't respond rightly and, and praise him. So people believe in the presence of God, but we choose not to believe for the one who made us and formed us, who designs and maintains the universe. Instead, we actually ignore God. We ignore him and we actually choose to honour and praise other things. This is a major problem. If it wasn't for being so major, it might be funny. I love the outdoors. Here's an example of the humour, perhaps. I love the outdoors and I'm actually, actually borderlining on um, quirky and weird in the way I actually love the outdoors, love nature and that sort of stuff. Has anyone here tonight... Raise your hand. Be bold and be proud at this point, please. Has anyone ever heard of a liverwort? Raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you passionate about that knowledge? Yeah, some low hands in the crowd tonight. <laughs> Liverworts, for those of you who don't know, kind of like a moss, right? They live on moist areas of ground like rocks and trees, like trunks and dirt and that sort of stuff. They're very, very small. And I, I just love them. I look at them and just kind of go, that's cool. I like that. Let me tell you, right, their plan, a liverwort's plan for conquering the world, for spreading the kingdom of liverwort, this is what they have. Think, small little plant, and it's kind of fleshy like leaf, and on the top, it has a little cup. It's about a millimetre and a half, like, wide, and in the cup, we have spores. Okay, now the way they conquer the world, the way they spread liverwort kingdom, is they wait for a raindrop, and the raindrop lands in the cup, and it goes, woo, and the spores kind of splash out. And they conquer it, maybe a millimetre at a time. That's probably why you haven't heard of them. They're just taking it pretty easy. But I look at them, and I love liverworts. I went to uni, I should be loving animals because they're cool things. I'm going, no, it's weird, I love liverworts. This is strange. If you know a counsellor, I'm up for that as well. <laughs> now, I know there are people who love nature so much that they almost worship it. The beauty of nature doesn't point them or lead them to actually you know, worship the one who made it, but they get stuck on nature. Now, nature's beautiful and to be enjoyed and admired. See, I'm the model of how weird you can be, right? Probably not healthy, but anyway. But if we don't do the same for God, we kind of miss the obvious step, miss the next step. Now, you don't have to be an environmentalist or quirky person. You might be into astrology and just love or worship kind of the stars and that. Or might, you might just love and worship yourself more than you do God. Now, in all these examples, the things in nature, they don't point people to worship God. Instead, they actually, we just get stuck on God's creation. Now, for me, I think it's borderlining humorous because it's like, surely we wouldn't want to just leave our love on something that is being made 
but instead of like actually going, God, you're the one who's made it. You're amazing here. In a nutshell, people, although they believe in the presence of God, we miss the next step of praising and honouring him and all that he does, and we end up ignoring him. We don't say when we see or understand that God is real, we don't actually go, wow, God, you're amazing. I want to live for you. Or, God, like, check out the stuff you've made. You are powerful and, gee, I want to give my life over to you. No, we don't do that. We just ignore God. And a a test for you is that you ask anybody that you know who doesn't say they go to church or whatever, and if you ask them, do you believe there's something out there, they'll say yes. But if you say, how do you relate to that? Do you actually honour that thing? They say, no, no, just believe it's out there. That's kind of the way it is. Now, to say that... um, People believe in the presence of God, yet ignore God. To say that that's a problem is like the um, biggest understatement ever to be understated in history. And I haven't overstated this understatement. This problem, we kind of like to, um, to like minimise it. We tell ourselves, that's all right. It's not that bad for doing that. We can become like the Black Knight on Monty Python's Holy Grail. If you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail 1975 classic, there's a scene where King Arthur fights the Black Knight. Monty Python, anyone out there? That's right. More excited. Okay. There's a great scene where the Black Knight minimises his problem. Picture Black Knight uh, standing on the, you know, preventing Sir King Arthur from crossing this ravine. I think it's about a metre long bridge, right? And he's saying, you're not going to cross past here. Everyone dies. I fight them to the death. So King Arthur says, okay, let's fight. Draws his sword, starts having a little fight. And all of a sudden, he cuts um, the Black Knight's arm off. That's beautiful. This stream of kind of stuff going out, Okay. And, and King Arthur says, it's all over, surely. And he goes like, he goes like, huh? I've had worse. Come on. He grabs the sword on the other hand and he starts fighting. It's just like, this guy doesn't get his problem here. And then he keeps fighting and King Arthur says, okay, I'll keep fighting you. And then a moment later, chunk, the other arm goes off. And then it's just like, what are you doing? He's going like, it's only a flesh wound. At this stage, he's going like this. And he's trying to kick him. He's trying to kick him, right? And King Arthur's going, what's your problem, mate? You go, can't you see your issue? And then at the end of it, Here's Black Knight, he's a torso on the ground and he has a head and he's going like, what? What, are you running away from me, are you? Like this and he's going like, mate, don't you see your problem? And he goes, let's call it a draw then, hey? (laughs) Fully minimising this problem. Ignoring God's a problem, a massive problem, but it also has a massive, massive, massive consequence. Paul later in his letter to the church in Rome He writes this, and it's pretty full on. And this is what happens for those who ignore God. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. When we read sin here, please um, read uh, ignoring God. We sin against God when we ignore him and don't love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. We sin against God when we don't live the way he wants us to. Which also happens to be the, what God wants for us is the best, most fulfilling life. And here what's been stating, stated is that all people that ignore God will receive the punishment of death. 
And it's not actually too full on. Sometimes I read and I think, God, are you throwing some kind of tanty? Is this just like too much? Let me illustrate why I don't think it's that full on. We all here in this um, building tonight, we all have parents. Or we are all children, either one, take your pick. Now I know that you are all lovely, obedient children and you've never ever done anything wrong in the eyes of your parents before. Okay, so I'm going to make up a hypothetical child here. <laughs> one day the, a parent, uh, sorry, a, one day a parent says to the nine-year-old child, you are not allowed to go and see your friend for such and such a reason. And the nine-year-old then looks around and goes, did anyone hear that irritating noise? Or am I just hearing a whiny mosquito or something? And then the kid um, goes out to his friend's house where he gets stuck into Winnie Reds and Jack Daniels. Now, if we're in our right minds, we might be thinking, that kid needs to be punished. You know, give him a, a smack or put him on the naughty spot or whatever, but don't let him get away with it, otherwise he's going to become even more a punk kid when he gets older. Now, if a child who ignores the um, direction of a loving parent, if they get a smack or the naughty spot for their kind of wrongdoing, how much more the punishment for that person who ignores God, a loving and perfect God and his direction? Death as punishment is not too harsh. So there's a problem and there's a very real consequence. But then God has this amazing solution. And the solution comes from God. It originates from him because he is a father, referred to as a father in the Bible, and he loves people. And just like a perfect, loving parent, God motivated out of love and desire to be in right relationship with his children, he says, I've got to make a way here. Now you may know this verse from the book of John in the Bible. Have a look at it. This is what it reads. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This passage is talking about Jesus. That Jesus, being God's Son, was sent into the world. And the reason that he was sent into the world was to die in the place of people. So instead of people needing to die because that's our just punishment for ignoring God, Jesus dies in our place. Jesus dies in our place, receiving the punishment that we deserve. People can therefore, in God's plan, find forgiveness from ignoring God. And they can enter into perfect, eternal relationship with this loving God. Now, this is amazing. It's, it's the major part of God's solution to the problem. He loves people so much that he doesn't want them to face the effects of their sin. So he sends Jesus to suffer it instead. There's another part to God's solution, though, and it's kind of our response 
So if you look in verse 16 there, we'll read that out again. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. Not everybody who walks on the face of the earth receives forgiveness from God because of Jesus. We read here that only those who believe, only those who put their faith in Jesus won't be punished. This is a vital part of the solution. It is our response to a loving God's plan to receive forgiveness through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection to life. Now, to do this is a simple acronym. Um, I think it's an acronym. I just That word flew into my head. Um, it's kind of like ABC. So this faith, forgiveness, uh, faith in Jesus kind of looks a bit like this. Firstly, someone has to admit that they've ignored God and that they deserve death for this. They have to actually admit that they've done wrong and that they deserve death and they're sorry for what they've, how they've ignored God. Secondly, they need to believe that when Jesus actually died on the cross, when Jesus died, he was actually dying for them, for the person who's making their faith step. And thirdly, that person needs to commit for the rest of their lives to, to live for Jesus, to follow God's way. So to go from ignoring God to actually acknowledging God in everything that you do. Now, if we do this, the loving God, he welcomes us back. He welcomes any person back. Every person back who does that, he welcomes. And you're seen as a perfectly forgiven child, God's child forever. And then God gives us his spirit and he helps us live for him and reminds us that we are his adopted children. So at the start, we look at this um, multimedia thing to help us think about, yeah, I think I do believe there's something out there. And let me say that tonight, that something out there, that being, that presence, that power, this is God's promise to you tonight. That if you want relationship with him, it's through faith in Jesus. I wonder, what do you think of that here tonight? Does it, does it make you want to think or do stuff? Because I, I know that we, the vast majority of people believe there's something out there. And tonight, I share with you, and someone else has shared it with me, that you can relate more to this God. You can relate more to that God. Indeed, you can enter into a living, personal relationship with that God through faith and repentance in Jesus' name. It's pretty crazy stuff. It really is. Something for us to, if you're hearing it for the first time, it's definitely like, that's madness. But just keep thinking it through. I've got a, we've got young Ash Rose of you. I'm going to invite up now. I want to welcome Ash. And Ash is going to, Ash is going to be sharing about this relationship that he actually has um, with this God. So through faith in Jesus, I think that's what you're going to talk about. Is that right? Or are you cricket? Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'll grab a seat um, hey everyone, I'm Ash Rosier and I'm in year 11 at Wodonga Senior Secondary College. Um, for most of my life I've grown up in a Christian home, surrounded by Christian friends and family. As a child I attended church every week with mum, but dad wasn't into it, and I remember reluctantly being dragged along to church when I would have preferred sleeping in with dad. In mum's eyes I was her little angel, and I'm sure this is news to you mum, but from about the age of seven I was the complete opposite. 
I was constantly getting into fights and having a rebellious attitude towards everything around me. And, um, and yeah, sometimes swearing just for no reason. Anything she told me God wanted me to do, I would do the opposite. This went on for a long time until, until one day Dad decided he would like to go along to church one night. And yeah, this stumped me because he was the complete opposite person of church, you know. But yeah, and he came home with God in his heart that night, which was a complete surprise. <laughs> and yeah, and I remember, I remember feeling confused and wondered why he changed. Anyway, as I got older, I started to realise how happy everyone around me was. And when I was about 10, I asked God to come into my life for the first time. Um, the, years went, the years went on until, until about year five when I decided to go to an ESA camp. And just like the two guys that spoke before me, it changed my life. Um, yeah, before the camp, I believed that God was out there, but I wasn't doing anything to follow him. I just believed he was there. Um, yeah, and it, but in the camp, I realised that, that I wanted to follow him, and it showed me how. Um, yeah, this was probably one of the best experiences of my life, one of these, these camps. They're just amazing. You always come away feeling on a high, and, um, and yeah, on a spiritual high, ready to tell the world about Jesus. But, so it's really good. Um, what does being a Christian mean to me? It gives me life. I am reborn. It gives me something to live for, and I know my future is determined by God if I walk with him. And I already know that he has great plans for my life. Um, one of my heroes from the Bible who we've actually been looking at in youth group is Paul. Uh, Paul was an amazing man who, um, he was fearless. He, he didn't care about what the people of the world could do to him. He, was, he believed he was in a win-win situation, that, that, um, that if, he, if he died, he would be with God. But, but you know, if he was alive, he'd be walking with God. So he was with God no matter what. And yeah, he lived by faith and believed that yeah, no matter what happened to him, he would be fine. So yeah, I'm baptised today in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Saviour. He is my rock. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He is my strength and weakness. And I should go out into the world and share the good news today. I get really excited um, just hearing young guys um, really kind of understand this Jesus, you know, guys who have grown up in a church background but kind of known all about, about God, believed in the presence of God perhaps and even known a bit more about him but still, um, you know, and when the, the time they put their faith in Jesus, it's just a, a beautiful, inspiring thing to see. Well, when someone puts their faith in Jesus, they in effect um, give their life completely over to following him for the rest of their life. That's kind of the deal. It's a challenging journey, but I reckon the most life-fulfilling one to take. I mean, if you're living with a, the very real presence of God, tangible presence of God in your life, it can't be anything less. Anyway, tonight we're going to witness the three boys who have shared their testimonies. We're going to witness them be baptised. And people who have received forgiveness by putting their faith in Jesus, at the beginning of this new life that they're starting to live to follow God, they get baptised. It's not something you would see outside of the church, um, but it's an ancient tradition that has started within the church and that Christians today practice all around the world. People who've received forgiveness by putting their faith in Jesus. It's a symbolic tradition. So we have a tub of water 
over here in the corner. It's nice warm water. It's that kind of nice warm water that forces you to relax your bladder. <laughs> Not nice for me. I've got three guys, of course. Joke, all right? Joke, boys. <laughs> Joke. Um, okay, you're going to see me dunk these boys into the water. They're going to go completely under the water, and then I'm going to pull them out of the water. And the symbolism is this. As they go under, it's like they're dying to that old way of life. When they were ignoring God and not living for him, that dies. That dies symbolically. And then as they come up out of the water, it's like they are rising to a new life. A life where they are now seeking to live to follow Jesus, acknowledging him in everything they do. So it's death to the old life going under and coming up, rising to the new life. It's also symbolism of uh, being washed and cleansed. And these guys are dirty. They do need a wash. But it's like more than their physical dirt, but their, physical, their spiritual notion of having all their sin against God, all the ways they've lived, getting all that washed away so that in God's sight, in Jesus, they are now perfect and clean. People getting baptised at the beginning of their new life with Jesus. So right now, we're going to witness it. So I'm going to might ask Sandy to get up and, um, yeah, this is a fun part. While these guys go and um, get ready to be baptised, we're going to stand and sing again. Let's go out, ask uh, the boys some questions and uh, we'll see how they respond. Um, Andy Carden, do you repent? Do you turn away from living a sinful life, all the ways that you have ignored God? I do. And it's good. <laughs> it's good. I like keenness. And as well, mate, do you, do you uh, turn back to God and put your faith in Jesus Christ? I do. That's terrific. Do you also, do you promise with God's help from this day forward to follow Jesus and serve him forever in his church? I do. Well, Andy, uh, on this, the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, um, I now baptise you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. too mate so ask you to respond as you as you want well do you turn away from uh, all the ways you sinned against God all the ways that you've ignored him in the past and do you put your faith in Jesus Christ I do great do you also promise to serve God and follow Jesus with God's help for the rest of your life I do it's great well Jono and hopefully I won't hit your head On this, the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptise you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's wet. <laughs> hey, mate. 
I'm going to ask you some questions too, Ash. It's a great day, mate. It certainly is. It's a great day. Um, do you repent of your sin in the way that you've ignored God? And do you put your faith in Jesus Christ for your forgiveness, Ash? Certainly. Great. Do you promise, with God's help, with His Spirit living in here, do you promise to follow Him for the rest of your life? I do. Great. Well, Ash, upon this, mate, the profession of your faith in Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It's just um, a great thing to see these young men with the smiles on their faces. They come out of that water, even though they've probably swallowed some while they're down there. But just celebrating the fact that they are unashamed to proclaim Christ as King in their life. And we're going to stand together and we're going to sing praises to our God. Hallelujah to my King. Assurance that you give us that when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that all our sins and all the times that we have gone against you, Lord, and we have acknowledged you as um, the one true God, Lord, that your son came and wiped that clean with the blood that he shed on the cross, Lord. We thank you so much and we do sing hallelujah to you. Just express our gratitude and thanks for that gift that you've given us. And Lord, we just want to bring glory and praise to you now. We want to give ourselves to you right at this time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.